Welcome to episode two of the Lean Change Management podcast. I'm Jason Little, the author of Lean Change Management. And on this podcast, I talk with change agents from the change, OD, and agile space from all over the world who are using innovative practices for helping organizations facilitate and uh, introduce change in their organizations. This week, I'm talking with Salah Alethi of Spark Agility. Salah is based in Washington, D.C., and uh, he's an agile coach and trainer and founder of Spark Agility. Salah, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, thank you, Jason. I started actually um, in the business analyst domain, business business analysis, and over the years, I've grown interest in basically bridging the gap between the IT organization and the business organization, and that's where I got into you know facilitation, process improvement, and coaching. And I, I really get the most joy out of you know uh, sparking curiosity and learning and uh, you know connecting people. So that's how how I became the an agile coach. Cool. So we were chatting at uh, Agile 2015, and I know we met before that, but I can't remember exactly when we met for the first time. Did we meet face to face before uh, 2015? I'm not sure. I think the first, well, I was introduced to your work uh, or to your book two years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, even though I haven't read the book yet, it's, um, it's still my list to read. <laughs> um, I, I thought that the first time we met face to face with Agile 2015, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I've been following you on Twitter for a while, and um, I often get confused with people that I've met just through Twitter or yeah. so many conferences too. I'm sure you have too. It's, it's yes. hard to keep track of how I'm connecting with all these people. <laughs> yeah, virtual versus physical world is emerging. And <laughs> <laughs> So um, at Agile 2015, we did an open jam session, and it was using this technique called the hot seat. So I learned about this technique from a couple of people in Berlin, actually, at a design thinking meetup. So uh, Jens Otto Lanch and uh, Pauline Tannhauser, who I probably horribly mispronounced their names, did a um, design thinking meetup, and they did this technique called the hot seat. And I know you know what it is. I'll just give the the listeners a little bit of an overview that you have people write down um, problems that they want help with within context of some theme or topic on sticky notes and then the group votes on which ones that they want to talk about. And then whoever's idea is selected goes into the hot seat. And then what happens is you set a time box and people are allowed to ask that person as many questions about the problem to clarify it and and get a little more information about the problem space. Then the person in the hot seat faces away from the group and the group throws out options that this person could do to solve that problem. But the person Mm -hmm. who's in the hot seat isn't allowed to respond to it. And um, with this technique, what it does is it prevents the person who's being helped from saying, oh, I tried that, it wouldn't work, which kind of shuts down the crowd. In the Open Jam session, we did that. And then we looked at an options board and looked at, so based on these suggestions, which were some of the ones that you tried or you didn't try and how could we prioritize those options? Now, since then, I was able to find out some information about where that came from. And apparently, a friend of mine and, and coach, uh, uh, Ro Gorel, who is an author and a coach based in Perth, Australia, recognized the technique when I tried it. And it originally comes from Andrew Carnegie, who was mm. someone who pioneered the steel industry in the US in the late 1800s. And he would surround himself with experts where they would give him advice that he wouldn't respond to. So um, it's pretty funny how... Uh, these techniques are have a long, long history. <laughs> yes. Yes, I often uh, 
think that there is, you know, there, there's nothing or, you know, not really absolutely new, but uh, it's usually has roots and that, that we haven't discovered yet. But yeah, I think I think your technique was uh, intriguing, and I, I really liked the, the way that we uh, that you facilitated the uh, open jam session. And I, I thought it would be a good idea to try it out with some of my uh, colleagues. So we had this uh, open open session, and we had the different groups talking about different things. And I proposed the technique as a way to facilitate the conversation. So we broke out into smaller groups, and I had facilitated one of that sessions or or that group and we started with you know identifying the challenges just like we did at the the session the one thing that i didn't or a slight variation maybe um is that you know you had you know the person in the in the hot seat as you called it you know have their back to 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 the table so they don't see who's actually giving the ideas or you know uh for for the challenges and i thought that was interesting but I, you know, I slightly changed that. So I had people actually, you know, identify the challenges and we went through the challenges and figured out, you know, what are the top items that, you know, that the group converged on. And then we, we started talking about that. So um, how did it uh, work out for you? How did people respond to that type of technique? Um, yeah, they were uh, engaged. I think they had identified the challenge. They came, you know, out on the top one or two, and then we started to dive into different uh, proposed ideas on how to how to solve the or or you know proposed solutions on on tackling that challenge. So they were giving ideas, different ideas. Uh, we, you know, put them out on the on the flip chart, get them to you know, get the top ideas or, you know, just to brainstorm or brainwriting the ideas, putting it out there, making it visible. And then, uh, and then we kind of started looking at the, using the chart or using the, the graph, basically the value versus cost and identifying, you know, which one would be maybe medium, short term and has the highest impact or highest value and which one would has the, you know, maybe a high value, uh, but, you know, they, they will have a, um, a high cost. So we kind of group them by that. And, and then once that was identified, then we dig deeper into the, you know, those solution, how can we apply some measurements, right? Because one of the things that I often see is that, you know, we talk about, we talk about the challenges, we talk about the ideas to address those challenges, but then the, you know, kind of the follow through is that missing piece at the end uh, that, that sometimes fall uh, through the cracks. Um, right. So when you mentioned, I'm glad you mentioned brain writing. Um, so what was different about doing this technique versus typical brain writing and dot voting? Um, I, I, I think that the difference is that you have people visualizing what they write as they write it. So it kind of stimulate ideas as they go. So once they write something, put it up on the flip chart or put it up on the wall so that people can see and maybe build on that. So it does two things. It kind of stimulates more ideas to come up. And also uh, you could, instead of, you know, having a two-step process where you brain write and then you do the grouping, maybe they will see that the idea is already there so that they can write write something else. Uh, So those are the two things that, you know, kind of, uh, you know, doing it at, at one step rather than two steps. 
So that, that's one of the things. I think the other thing is to have, you know, the group engaged at, at, you know, the time box that they were in. So they give ideas constantly as, as, as the session is going, which again, build, build on each other's ideas. So did you find that the part where people are writing the ideas, was the person in the hot seat able to respond to them at all, or were they just there kind of as an observer? Yeah, so that's where I, I change it is I changed it basically having them instead of having a person on the hot seat, they were basically, you know, all of them trying to get the ideas out or the challenges and then converge on that one challenge that they want to address. Because I think the setup was not really conducive to have someone in, uh, you know, one person just giving the challenges. So what I did instead of one person telling, you know, what are the challenges, all of them will you know, identify the challenges and then they would kind of converge on that challenge that they want to do. So I kind of did the grouping of the and the voting in, in a one-step process. And then once they identified that top challenge, then they started, you know, we started soliciting ideas from everybody to tackle that challenge, which which basically in this environment is a, was a little different because we wanted them to own the the ideas or the solution that they come up with, they have to they have that collective ownership rather than just, you know, getting one idea from one person and, you know, giving them, they, they, they give the idea, but now the person who has the challenge go and try to implement that idea. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. The times I've tried this technique, it's been not in a private setting. So people all from different companies, either in a workshop or at a conference or something like that. So it's a little easier to focus on that one idea, but that's a, that's a pretty good tweak to, to um, do that internally with a company. How did they, uh, how did the people respond to it? What type of feedback did you get? I thought it went well. I think they, they gave some good feedback. They were a little bit often in terms in the, in the beginning where they uh, come up with the challenges because it, it's, you know, everyone come from different backgrounds and their challenges is different. Uh, so, but we kind of have set the expectation that these, in the beginning, they just, let's, let's get out all the challenges, whether it's, you know, something that within that person's group or team, or whether it's just a, 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 an organizational level challenge. And then we can, you know, do the, the converge on that one challenge that we want to talk about as a collective group. And then once that happened, we can start doing, you know, the value cost analysis. The one thing, the cost, I kind of, the people was a little confused because it's, you know, it's the cost usually they, you know, the first thing you think about is a financial cost. But I was talking about, mostly I tried to qualify that as cost being time and energy, right? So how much time we want to invest in it and how much energy do you want to put in, into that? So kind of a rough idea of how, they would, you know, prioritize, you know, which ideas to start with. The one question was, you know, how do we come up with cost and how do we, you know, how do we know uh, how much that it will cost? But, you know, once that was qualified, they, they kind of got the, uh, the point. Okay, cool. And you mentioned that you did get to the point of talking about some experiments and, and possible measurements. How, how far did you get with, uh, with talking about that? Yeah, so once, once they identified those areas where it has the highest value, at least from you know, medium to high value and maybe low to medium cost, 
in terms of time and energy, then we started to try and come up with measurement around that. You know, how, how would we measure certain things? Like, for instance, you know, collaboration, you know, improving collaboration as, as part of, uh, came up as an idea that we could do. And with all the tools and, you know, technology out there, we can use to enhance that. That could be, you know, maybe a medium to, uh, or low to medium cost and it's, and it's high impact, right? So we started uh, talking about like how we would measure that, you know, how would we get people to uh, maybe pick a tool that will improve the collaboration across the organization, especially when we're moving towards more of, you know, virtual settings where people are more distributed. So that, that was, was one of the things. And then we started, you know, kind of getting people to sign up for those, you know, to own those uh, areas so that they can follow through, which is the next, next step. So one of the challenges I see if it's either the using the hot seat technique or brain writing or whatever it is, the thing that gets in the way is when the ideas start to get shot down. Did you get any of that dynamic happening? So as soon as a sticky note would go up, somebody would go, oh, we tried that eight and a half years ago and it didn't work and we can't try it. Right. Did you have any yeah. dynamic problems? And if you did, what did you, what did you do to, to deal with it? It wasn't, you know, it wasn't explicitly shut down, but people would make a comment like, you know, this is won't work here or something like that, right? So the way we would handle that or I handled it is, you know, just let's get it all out on the, you know, out in the open air and then then we figure out what is it that we can, you know, that actually we can implement. We did kind of skip that part with the tried versus not tried. I think that's one of the the other areas that I... uh, that I didn't add. And I thought that just because it was a new group and they, I didn't want to limit them for, you know, to what they have tried versus what they haven't tried. So I kind of left it open and then we picked the ones that could be most pressing for, for the group. But yeah, I think it it was, it wasn't explicitly saying, you know, this idea is, you know, we tried this before. It was just, you know, kind of comments around like, you know, this wouldn't work or, you know, that would be too, costly to implement so once we you know you gotta kind of hold their hands a little bit and say okay let's go step by step and you know once we do the the graph which i i thought it was it was really cool technique the value and cost then people start seeing okay this is not really as bad we we, you know you know the technology is everywhere maybe we can just uh, select a tool that we already have in the organization that we haven't been utilizing Okay. Is there anything that you think you would like to try differently the next time you try this or something that just didn't kind of feel right that you might want to tweak next time around? I I think I like the idea of um, having a person, you know, turn around and, uh, you know, when we did it at the Open Jam where they don't see it kind of provide a fun element to it as well. But I think given the setup and the circumstances, I, I thought it was uh, going to be a little bit difficult to implement. Uh, but that would be a good fun aspect, if, especially if it's at the team level, maybe in a, a team room where a setup was different. I would like to try that, you know, the person would you know, turn around and, and they would, you know, people would shout out the ideas without them identifying who actually said, said the idea. Because sometimes I, you know, the other thing that came to mind when I thought of that more is that sometimes maybe there is some dynamics or relationship between uh, different people that, 
you know, depends who the idea came from, even though the idea may be a good idea, but because I'm have attention with that person, I'm not gonna, you know, I don't like that idea. Right. 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 So, yeah. So I think that would be a, one thing that I would try next time. Okay. The feedback I've had from people who are in the hot seat, especially if they're really extroverted, they have a hard time being quiet at that mm-hmm. point. So I could see that being helpful if you detect there's a bit of a team dynamic where the most dominant person has to sit in the hot seat because then they're kind of forced to listen to the ideas from other people. And it might help in that dynamic where you've got a team that has quite a bit of introverts and, you know, maybe the one dominant person that, that seems to speak up a lot. Um, so, uh, anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? Yeah, no, I think that's, that's a good point that you mentioned about the, the different types of, you know, introverts versus extroverts, the quiet ones are usually, you know, they may have an, an idea that could help bring about a, a solution, but because, you know, they don't have the chance to, uh, or, or the, to speak up, uh, that, you know, that, that you, we miss out on those type of types of ideas. Right. Uh, so I would just, you know, that, that's one thing that I would watch out for as a facilitator to give everyone an opportunity to, to speak up and, and get their idea out there, especially with that technique, you know, people can maybe take, maybe another additional, uh, is, is a round robin or something to have everyone give a chance to, uh, shout out their idea. Right. Right. Great. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining for, uh, people listening. You can learn more about this technique at leanchange.org slash hot seat. And tell me a little bit more about, uh, what you've got going on and how people uh, can find you. Yeah. So I am currently doing, you know, helping an organization with, uh, agile, uh, implementing agile at different levels of the organization, um, coaching and, uh, busy also in training, uh, most of the training I do is based on the IC Agile uh, roadmap, uh, which is something that I really like because it's focused on the culture and mindset. So I do a lot of training. People can find out about my trainings at the, my website, sparkagility.com. And then the other area that I'm really passionate about has been trying to um, you know, develop some a product. And, and right now it's a product that I've been working on for a while. It's called Ready for Agile. And that's kind of in, you know, try to assess or a self-assessment to provide this readiness to uh, for change, right? So people, or at least at the organization level, people would know where they stand before they start pushing change um, across the organization. So those are the things that keep me busy. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's all that's going on right now. Great. So is there information about that product up on your site that people would learn a little bit more about? Yeah, so the uh, we just launched a website, uh, readyforagile.com, and people can find out more information on that, that website. Great. All right, thanks very much for uh, taking the time to chat with me today, and have a good evening. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate it. That wraps up Lean Change Management podcast number two. Next week, the podcast will be a rebuttal based on episode number one, which was the conversation with Paul Gibbons. So you can look forward to that. If you'd like to learn more about this show, you can find out more at leanchange.org slash podcast. And you can contact me if you'd like to be on the show. Thanks for listening.